What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. Amron just wanted to make sure the camera was figured out and it's all situated. But today we're going to talk through my must buy and sell trade targets for the month of June. Every single month I come out here, I update the dynasty rankings on the Patreon. You can find them patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. And I have this beautiful positional rankings page in the rankings where I go through my top 50 quarterbacks, top 50 tight ends, top 100 running backs, top 100 wide receivers. And for all of them, I have them split up into tiers, how much they changed in uh, ranking since last time I did one of these updates. So J.K. Dobbins increased eight spots. You have their RS grade tiers, so legendary, elite, gold, silver, bronze. And then the buy and sell recommendation for every single player, either neutral, soft buy, hard buy, soft sell, hard sell. Today we're going to talk through three hard buys two hard sells just to give you a little taste of what you can find over there on the patreon patreon.com slash ron stewart so with all that being said if you enjoyed the video if you learned something new make sure down below subscribe leave a like let's go now i gotta be honest with you guys these buys at the top here the top two buys are kind of blue chippers. They're sort of obvious. But like I was looking back at the last three or four times I've done one of these, and they're all sort of obscure. Like one of them I led with like Aaron Rodgers, but I kind of want to give you guys, you know, real high-end assets to go over or to go after as we get closer to the season. So up top, my must-buy trade target is Kyler Murray. He is per ADP. We're going to be going by Adeko's ADP. Per Adeko's ADP, uh, he works over in the Bulletproof Discord. I'll make sure I link the ADP down below. ADP right now, this is June ADP I'm using for this video. He is the 302 as the QB 13. He is my 201 as my QB 10. So I'm three QB spots higher than consensus or higher than ADP. And I'm a full round ahead of ADP. I would think about the 1-2 turn. ADP would have him at the 3-4 turn. And when we talk about Kyler Murray, we have to understand that this is a... Con this is a rebuilding buy. I almost said contending. This is a rebuilding buy. If you're a contender, there's no reason to go out there and trade for Kyler Murray. But if you're rebuilding and you have no plans to win in 2023 and you have less than two elite quarterbacks on your roster, you should be trying to buy Kyler Murray on every team that is in that situation. Because when we look at the first round of startups, this is by ADP, eight of 12 players are quarterbacks. I want to say that's two-thirds um, of the first round is quarterbacks. We know the value ceiling. The first five picks are all quarterbacks. The first seven of the first eight picks are quarterbacks. Eight of the first 10 picks are quarterbacks. That's the kind of ceiling that quarterbacks in Dynasty have. And the way that I play Dynasty, if we don't care about winning in 2023, we understand that Kyler Murray has a torn ACL, but a year from now, heading into the 2024 season, I don't really understand how he doesn't flirt with round one ADP, right? Time's going to go by. His injury is going to heal up, he's going to get better, and then boom, he's going to be flirting with the first round of ADP, whereas right now he's in the third round. Now, why do I think that he's such a lock to bounce back in value? Now, Kyler's just 25 years old right now. By the time that he is back on the field, he'd be like 26, 27. That's perfectly fine. Through his first four seasons, he, he has finished as the QB 11, QB 3, QB 4, and QB 7 in points per game. That's pretty rock solid. That's a great start to a career for a guy who was one of five legendary quarterback prospects in my prospect model. Legendary is the cream of the crop 
when it comes to fantasy quarterbacks. All of these guys are sick. Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray as well, second highest raw RS grade. So all these guys have a 10 RS grade, which makes them legendary, but I cap it off at 10. If I don't cap it off at 10, you see Kyler Murray, the second best prospect ever in the RS grades. He comes in, is a monster right away, through four seasons, already has two top five finishes, another top 12 finish to go with that, or another like two top 12 finishes to go for that. It's genuinely insane. Then, if you just want to go a step further, like I'm just trying to show you guys that Kyler Murray came into the league first overall pick. He was the man. He's been everything that he was promised to be. And now we also have, you know, through four seasons, we have this list of quarterbacks. Only nine quarterbacks since the Super Bowl era have averaged over 19 points per game through their first four seasons. I mean, it's a crazy list. It's Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Andrew Luck, and Kyler Murray. It's just a list of guys who were bona fide fantasy studs forever. But here's the thing. I think some of you guys are going to say, well, these are all things that Kyler Murray did before the ACL tear. What if he comes back and he's not the same guy? Well, we have Deepak Chona, a uh, sports surgeon out of Stanford that uses like numbers. Um, And this is what he says. Hard pass for me on Kyler Murray's 23 season. QB passing numbers don't dip, but running and scrambling do for 15 months post-injury. Plus, timeline here will be volatile. Averages 10 months. Elite athletes recover faster. Murray is a 90th percentile athlete, but young players with huge contracts, I don't know why I'm struggling, return slower. He is estimating a week 8 to 12 return for Kyler Murray. A lot of variance there. But then he follows that up later, and he says exactly Kyler Murray's dynasty outlook is very positive. Should be back to prime form as a passer and as a runner by the 2024 season. So I cannot stress enough. I'm not really drafting Kyler Murray in redraft. I don't really like him for 2023, but we're talking for Dynasty. We own these players for life. For 2024, he's going to be like just 27. Heading into 2024, week one, he should be fine. He should be good to go. He should still scramble. This is just one example. I don't really have a huge sample size when it comes to ACL tears for quarterbacks, but if Doc here is saying that his passing and running will be back to form after a full year or like 15 months, 2024, he should be ready to rock. He won't be like past 30 where he won't be able to scramble anymore. And this is an example from Burrow. Remember, Burrow was an old rookie too. So he's like 26 in 2022. Uh, But this is rushing expected points per game. So just based on your attempts um, and your red zone carries, how many points per game should you have on the ground? Burrow came in as a rookie, had 3.2 expected rushing points per game. Then tore his like ACL, LCL, meniscus, just a brutal, brutal, horrible injury to his knee. Next year, predictably so. Rushing expected points of game dips down to 2.3, which is actually below the league average. And then in 2022, he sets a career high in rushing expected points per game last year, a full, you know, 15 plus months after the ACL tear. So I think we'll see something like this from Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has sort of hovered around like five expected rushing points uh, per game. He'll probably dip. And then in 2024, it should bounce right back. He should be good to go. And, you know, heading into 2024, he should be like a one-two turn pick in startup drafts. We know where quarterbacks go. Kyler has been that guy all along, and he's also a great passer. So even if his rushing isn't completely up to par where he's, you know, competing with like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen and uh, all the rushing guys up top, Justin Fields, for fantasy points on the ground, he's a really good thrower. He had a down year in 2022 as a passer, but in 2021, he was third in PFF throwing grade. Uh, He led the NFL with 8% of his throws being big-time throws by PFF, which is just pretty self-explanatory. Big-time throws if it's like deep or in a tight window or it's cool to look at. Uh, him and Brady in 2021 were the only guys with 40 or more big-time throws. So he's already had a season where he's been a really great passer. 
It's just a matter of coming back from this injury, returning back to form. If you can buy now, you should. Like, he's going to get back to putting up 20 points per game. He's going to get back to being a fringe first-round starter pick. We're already seeing Deshaun Watson, who, you know, had an awful year last year, had all of his off-the-field stuff, and he's still being pushed up as, like, an early second in startups. Like, quarterbacks, they just get pushed up like this. I think next offseason we're going to see Kyler really climb up boards. Um, and you can buy him for pretty much right now. I mean, we're going to say this a lot today, but, like, this is the cheapest he's ever been. All-time value change minus, I don't know, 3480 I don't even know what these numbers mean on keep trade cut. But he's the cheapest he's ever been. Like, these prices are insane. These are, these are from the trade database on fantasycalc.com. This is insane. This is insane. I'm Will Levis and Derek Carr for Kyler Murray. I don't know if that's possible, but that's insane. Uh, you have Debo Samuel and Derek Carr for Kyler Murray. I, I actually like Debo Samuel. He's going to be a buy in this video, but if you could do something like that where you add uh, Derek Carr and you add a, I don't know, like a Debo, you add a DJ Moore, like anybody like Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman to Derek Carr, and that gets you to Kyler Murray somehow, sure, do it. If you can turn CeeDee Lamb into Kyler Murray plus another wide receiver like a Bateman, uh, you know, any wide receiver in that Bateman tier, I'm trying to, uh, you know, think on top of my head here, like Rashad Bateman, I'd also kind of put your like Amari Coopers and Calvin Ridley's in there. So if you can go from, I don't even really hate CeeDee Lamb at this point, but that's too cheap for Kyler. Um, too many moving pieces in that Damian Pierce one for me to really get a grasp on, but that's still pretty insane. Like Devontae Adams and Daniel Jones for Kyler Murray and Damian Pierce, I would do that all day. If you can take Daniel Jones, add a random wide receiver like Juju in a second and get Kyler, insane. Um, I will say this is a rebuilding buy, so I wouldn't really, uh, like if you're a rebuilding team, I wouldn't really want to spend just like random 24 first straight up for Kyler. But if you had to ask me like gun to my head, what's the price you'd want? The most to be willing to spend would be two first straight up like that. Uh, Kenny Pickett plus a second. If you can do any of those, like Kenny Pickett, Jordan Love, uh, Brock Purdy's plus a second, which I, I, I really don't know how it's possible. You can say like, oh, these trades aren't going to happen. I mean, these are all trades that have happened. There's like 10 of them and they're all equally ridiculous. Uh, you have the one on the bottom too. Kyler Murray for Kenneth Walker would do that all day. If you could do Travis Etienne for Kyler Murray, if you could do uh, Kenneth Walker, maybe it takes you like a second on top of Kenneth Walker to get to Kyler Murray. I'll do that as well. Um, I try not to spend any draft capital if I'm a rebuilding team trying to buy Kyler Murray. Um, but if you have to, you know, sweeten up the deal with a future first or a future second, it's an elite quarterback. So you can, uh, you know, explain away spending future draft capital. Now our next buy is also for the rebuilders, um, and it's a very similar buy. It's Kyle Pitts. He is the markets, and this is a uh, tight end premium ADP. 305 is the tight end two. He's my 205 is my tight end one in my rankings update. So a full round ahead of consensus, he's my tight end one. And it's a similar deal with Kyle Pitts, right? When we're playing Dynasty, especially when we know we're tanking in 2023, we're not looking to compete until 2024, just give me the good players that the market is down on. I am pretty certain that heading into 2024 Kyler and Kyle Pitts are going to be top two round startup picks and they're not currently now instead of an ACL tear keeping Kyle Pitts priced I mean he had an injury but like all reports are saying that he's going to be 100% for 2023 I don't think that that's why he's down in the market it's because he hasn't you know given you a top 10 tight end point per game finish yet he's on a low volume offense attached to Desmond Ritter but I'm not really here to sell you on 2023. I'm drafting him for 2023. But the whole point here is that if you're a rebuilding team, you don't really care about 2023. You don't really even want points in 2023 if you are tanking. We should be extremely sure at this point that Kyle Pitts long-term is going to be a really good player that plays a premium position in Dynasty, right? Like the 
try and go to a contending team in a tight end premium league, a guy who just won a championship or just like lost in the championship, see what it takes to go get Kelsey or Mark Andrews. Like it's, it's near impossible. So when you get those tight ends to fully ascend, they become almost untouchable assets, especially in season, especially in tight end premium leagues where tight ends are just giving you a massive advantage. Like anybody out there that had Kyle, that had Travis Kelsey on a tight end premium, uh, premium dynasty league, you're dominating uh, last year. Just no one can even catch up in your tight end spot. So Kyle Pitts can become like a really scarce asset that people are gunning for, especially with, you know, by the time that Kyle, that Kyle Pitts enter his, enters his prime, you'll have Travis Kelsey kind of coming down a little bit. And with Kyle Pitts, the whole point here is the trajectory he's on is special. I can't tell you when he's going to finish as a top five point per game tight end, but I do believe with Kyle Pitts, it's more of a when than an if question. Now, just to show you the kind of trajectory he's on, it's tough to illustrate it with Kyle Pitts, but what we're going to do here is I plugged him into the RS grades, which again, these are my prospect grading system uh, grades where it's zero through 10. Based on that, you have your tier based on those tiers. You have more points per game in your first three seasons slash certain amount of like top 12 finishes. But just to simplify it, I put Kyle Pitts, I converted all of his metrics, like anything like relative athletic score was a certain grade. And then I said, okay, well, what if he was a, a wide receiver? What would his relative athletic score be? And I ran that all through and Kyle Pitts folks comes out as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth, eighth all time in the RS grades ahead of Justin Jefferson, ahead of Sammy Watkins. Just pretty crazy considering he's a tight end that never had a 1000 yard receiving season in college. So things like his relative athletic score, his land zero line grade, fourth overall draft capital is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, he did have a, a good year of production at the end. Like his, his yards per team pass attempt was good down the stretch. It's just crazy. It's crazy. He's right there. He would have been a legendary wide receiver if he was a wide receiver. So we know as a receiving prospect, Kyle Pitts, special. Like no one else I'm running through uh, the wide receiver RS grades is coming out as a legendary wide receiver prospect. Then his rookie year wasn't as bad as like people really want you to remember. Like this is Kyle Pitts, legendary. This is like in a world where he's a wide receiver. His PFF receiving grade was above 80. It wasn't that far off of Olave last year. 10.4 points per game next to Drake London's 10.5 points per game. Like, everybody's excited about Drake London. Everybody thinks that Drake London, like, I have him as a top eight dynasty wide receiver. I'm just trying to paint the picture that if Drake London is a top 10 dynasty wide, wide receiver after being a top 10 pick and putting up an 80-plus receiving grade, 10-plus points per game, 2-plus yards per out run, Kyle Pitts did the exact same thing at a much tougher position to produce in the same offense on that Falcons offense. So it's just really, really impressive. Look at another step further. If you guys remember a couple weeks ago, we did the year two point per game projection model where I plug in each wide receiver, their RS grade, uh, their year one points per game, yards per out run, targets, routes ran, offensive environment. And I plugged Kyle Pitts in. Now I plugged him in. I gave him legendary and then I gave him elite too. Just like I gave him elite just to be a little bit more conservative. And it's really not so much about the year two point per game projection because we know he undercut both of those right? He undercut 14.6 points per game. He undercut 16.15 points per game. But the whole point is just to show prospect profile, what he did in year one, the trajectory here. Like those are, that's crazy, right? Like that, if he was legendary, what he did in year one would have put him next to Mike Evans, Metcalf, Percy Harvin, Garrett Wilson. If he was elite, he would have came out in the same tier as Drake London and Chris Olave as a tight end. So that's just insane. And that's all while being just a tight end 11 in points per game as a rookie. The peripherals are what get him there. The yards per out run, the targets, the routes, all of that. Now, we fast forward to year two. 
He, of course, didn't score 14-plus points per game like the year two model predicts. His second year was brutal. He had, like, under 10 points per game. But that could be explained by situation. Like, it was just terrible. He had the highest off-target rate in 2022. They were second to last in pass attempts, second to last in passing yards per game. You had a super inaccurate quarterback in Mariota throwing 29% of Kyle Pitts' targets off target. But when we dive deeper, and again, we look at the peripherals, right? So just like, are you commanding targets? Are you being efficient? He does all of that, Kyle Pitts. He does all of it. Best target rate, which is target per outrun. First among tight ends in air yard share. First among tight ends in deep targets. So he's not only this like big athletic freak, his ADOT, 13.1 yard ADOT, second in the NFL means that he's adding so much efficiency just from being a deep field target right or a downfield target similar to Mark Andrews but Mark Andrews doesn't have the size and speed that Kyle Pitts has so Kyle Pitts is a monster when you put all of this together he also had the second highest target share he had the fifth most air yards and then of course on the bottom 22nd in PPR points per game so everything that was in within his control to this point has been special and then even if you want to take into account production Points per game is a little bit fluky at tight end because touchdowns wait so much, and Kyle Pitts has had bad touchdown luck. But on a yards-per-game basis, he is on a fine trajectory here. Here are your top 12 tight ends, yards per game, in their first two seasons since 2000. It is Kittle, Shockey, Gronk, Graham, Hernandez, Winslow, Travis Kelsey, Evan Ingram, Jordan Reed, Mark Andrews, Antonio Gates. Nothing but studs on the entire list. But Ron. This Falcons offense is going to be run heavy again. They're going to suck again. What happens when Kyle Pitts isn't good this year? And that's fine. Like, I'm not selling you on 2023. Like, I'm I am drafting him in 2023. I'm not selling you on him in 2023. I think if you're acquiring him in Dynasty, it shouldn't be to get points in 2023. Like, there certainly is a concern that this offense could suck again, that he could not produce. The talent is there. The draft capital is there. The profile is there. So the question is, how does this work out if he doesn't smash in 2023? And I think it's that the peripherals are amazing. needs everyone to buy in again. You could have, well, what if Desmond Ritter and the Falcons offense is actually good in 2023 or good moving forward? You could have as well Kyle Pitts. I mean, things move in the NFL. TJ Hawkinson got traded. We could see something like that happen. We saw with Darren Waller as well. You could see it with Kyle Pitts eventually. He's also very young as well. Where you like... You don't need him to come out here. Like, people are expecting so much of Pitts so early. Like, look on this chart here, 51.2 yards per game, age 21 to 22. People on this list, or, or tight ends on this list, playing in their first two years, they come out a lot older sometimes. Like, look, Kittle was 24-25 in his first two years. Same thing with Jimmy Graham was 24-25. You had Travis Kelsey was 24-25. Even these other guys on this list, too, like Evan Ingram was 23-24. Kyle Pitts has nothing but time. He's 21 or he's 22 at this point, super young. The peripherals are elite. He's keeping up with all of these top dogs through two years, despite being a lot you know, younger than some of them on this list as well. I just think long-term, when we look back, Kyle Pitts is going to be a good player. I can't tell you when the full breakout happens. I will say another positive in Kyle Pitts' corner is that, let's say, okay, Drake Lane and Kyle Pitts are similar talents, and they put up similar numbers. Kyle Pitts putting up 14 points per game could have him as like the tight end two, whereas like 14 points per game for Drake London might make him just like a mid-range wide receiver two, right? So he has a lower a lower bar to climb when it comes to points per game for tight end. You don't necessarily need him to put up like 20 points per game or something crazy or like 100 catches for, you know, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. You don't really need that um, 
out when it comes to Kyle Pitts. And it's also like, this is just like, it, this is very cheap in terms of Kyle Pitts. Like, look, all time in terms of where he's been valued on keep trade cut, like you had last offseason, like July, even through like September, way, way up. He's come down. He sort of started climbing back up since like uh, that December, January part, but he's still super cheap. I mean, these prices that you're seeing on Fantasy Calc are just silly. Like, they're just absurd. Like, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts for Kenny Pickett and Pat Fryermuth. If you can add anything to Pat Fryermuth and upgrade to Pitts, please do that. If you can take a Godwin, even we, we're going to talk about Debo here in a segment. If you can take a Godwin, a Debo, a Terry McLaurin, if that somehow can get you to Pitts, I don't think it can, but sure. Jamison, I would trade any year two wide receiver not named Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson for Kyle Pitts. If I could do Jamison Williams for him straight up, I would. If I could do Traylon Burst for him straight up, I would. If I could do Christian Watson straight up for Kyle Pitts, I would. And I like Christian Watson. Rashad White for Kyle Pitts is just a joke. Uh, after that, you have Charbonnet, Komet, and a future first. I would be fine with that. Like, if you take a random tight end like Komet, some young up-and-coming, whether that's Charbonnet, Kendra Miller, whether that's Isaiah Pacheco or whatever, and you add a first to get to Pitts, that's probably the, the most, like, reasonable price on this list. And then similar... Uh, below that where it's Pacheco, Tony, and a 24-second. Like, these are six deals that have been made in leagues in the last week, and they're all pretty absurd. So if you're a rebuilding team that has no interest in winning in 2023, poke around in all of your leagues. See, you know, find the Pitts team. Find the Kyler Murray team. See if they're trying to compete. See if, you know, you can give them something better um, that might score more points than those guys uh, in 2023. Now, after that, we have a contending buy. So this is for a buy. If you're trying to score points in 2023, you're trying to win in 2023, we have Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel, per ADP, is the 606, is the wide receiver 25. He's my 411 as my wide receiver 18. So I have him about like a round and a half ahead of ADP and like seven wide receiver spots. And for me, what I love with Debo is the first thing that I'll say to a lot of people that show me their teams, like, Ron, what do you think of this team? And I look through it, and you have a lot of shiny toys on the roster. But if you don't have somebody that I can pencil in for like 20-plus points per game, so I would say that that's probably like – I would say that that's probably – in terms of like true difference makers at their positions, you're probably talking about like top six running backs, any wide receiver, probably like top 12 wide receivers, guys who can give you 20 points per game. Right? There's like very few guys you can sort of pencil in for 20 points per game. I would say it's McCaffrey, Bijan, Eckler, and then it's probably like Jefferson Cup, Chase, Hill, Devontae. Digs, and that's even pushing it with the 20 points per game but what i say is that if your team doesn't really have one of those guys and you're trying to contend go out and get them go get Diggs, tyree kill Devonte adams cooper cup that's the first thing i tell most teams that are trying to contend that i look at the roster and it's like i don't think you have enough juice there but if you go to those four four owners can't find the price that works i think your next best bet is debo samuel in terms of for the price now projections aren't anything but i just think it's a good way of uh illustrating kind of where the dynasty market's a little bit inefficient when it comes to these players. And these are Mike Clay's point per game. So every wide receiver that Mike Clay has projected for over 15 points per game. And then I have their dynasty ADP next to them. Now red dynasty ADP is just the lower dynasty ADP. Um, and green is just if it's cheaper. And Debo Samuel is the cheapest wide receiver on this list per dynasty ADP. Despite being the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 ninth highest point per game wide receiver right he is a full 40 picks cheaper than Garrett Wilson he is a full like 30 picks cheaper than Jalen Waddle cheaper than Brown T Higgins Metcalf he is going to come out here no matter how you feel about Debo Samuel just in terms of how I feel about him for 2023 Debo's going to come out here and he is going to put up a points per game that is going to go toe-to-toe with guys like T Higgins Devonta Smith uh DK Metcalf that are all 
multiple rounds more expensive than him. Now, with Debo, you're going to get fringe wide receiver one points. I'm not, you're not going to pencil in for 20-plus points per game, but he is probably the cheapest way here. Wide receiver 9, 15 points per game. He is the cheapest way to get that like 15 point per game fringe wide receiver two produ- or fringe wide receiver one production. And I think that's the worst type of production to pay up for, right? So your Devonta Smiths, your T Higgins paying a huge price on guys that aren't going to move the needle. Like these 15 point per game guys after DK Metcalf, like on this list, it's going to be Devonta Smith. And then it's going to be like your Keenan Allen's and your Chris Godwin's and guys that are much cheaper to roster can go toe to toe with those guys. So why not, you know, spend that roster value efficient, uh, efficiently. Now with Debo, Mike Clay projections aren't gospel, so let's take a look for ourselves. Now, Debo is 27, so he's more of a win-now-ish asset, so I think that's why uh, we're going to really zero in on his 2023 here. Now, I went over this in our wide receiver tier video, but I'm going to kind of assume that our dynasty audience isn't exactly our redraft audience, so let's just go over a little bit the case for Debo Samuel uh, in year two, or in 2023, age 27 year. This is his, he has now had two back-to-back years, Debo Samuel, of clearing a 25% target share, which, you know, he gets this label as like, oh, he's just going to rush the ball. He's not a pure receiver. Over a 25% target share. He was 18th in target per out run last year at a 23.2% target per out run ahead of Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, and T. Higgins. He didn't put up a good points per game last year because he was inefficient. And this is Debo Samuel, a guy who came off a 2.98 yards per out run in 2021. He was due for some regression, some bad luck, right? That was a career low yards per out run by a long shot, his career average yards per run of 2.29 would have been the wide receiver 11 last year. His career average is top 12 wide receiver efficiency. He just happened to have a terrible efficiency year. Debo's literally known for being efficient past his means. And we know efficiency isn't sticky year to year. But we know that talented players have the massive efficiency ceilings, which is what Debo has. He has a massive efficiency ceiling from handoffs, big plays, unsustainable touchdowns. He does that sometimes. He did it in 2021. And if he's now gotten true wide receiver volume two years in a row, why not go back to the well, back to the well, bet on it again, and hope for the efficiency to bounce back to somewhere where it should be, right? When we look at his efficiency over his entire career, you have 2.3 FPO. Now, what this table is, let me explain. EP per game, expected points per game. So based on your targets, your dot, how many points per game should you be putting up every game based on your volume? And then your FPOE, which is your fantasy points over expected. So based on your volume, are you, over, are, are you going above and beyond your expectation or are you underperforming that? And we see in his third year, that's when he went nuclear, he was number one in the NFL in FPOE per game with 6.1. That's, of course, not sustainable. But was, what was sustainable is his expected points per game of 15.3, held at 15.3, was a top 12 number each year. It just so happened that he had a minus 2 FPOE per game, his first year ever being minus, 242nd among wide receivers, which is absolutely insane. But if that bounces back to kind of his career average of like 2.3, 0.5, 6.1, and you just call that an even, let's say 1.5, 1.5 plus his 15.3 EP gets him to like 16.8 points per game, which would have been a back-end wide receiver one last year. So I don't really understand. I get that everyone was burned on Debo. I drafted Debo. I was burned by Debo. But there's very few guys that have the, the efficiency ceiling of a Debo Samuel that can hit a 4-plus FPOE and, you know, knock the doors off and give you 20-plus points per game. That's in his range of outcomes. But also, if it just hangs around with his career average FPOE per game was, he's going to flirt with top 12 numbers pretty easily. I think that that's what Mike Clay is seeing as well. Now, people are going to say, well, what about Chris McCaffrey? When Chris McCaffrey came in, Debo is not going to get the same carries. Again, Debo Samuel plays wide receiver. He's had a 25% or better target share in his last two years. His target prop run was better than wide receivers we've listed uh, that are more expensive than him in Dynasty. And then also we have this stat 
<clears throat> from Dwayne McFarlane. These are including playoff games where Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle were all in the field in 2022. Debo led that group in target share. Now, 22.8% target share isn't the 25% plus that we've been talking about, but 22.8% is going to be just fine for a guy like Debo, who has the efficiency ceiling. It's a small step down from the volume we were talking about. But let's say his expected points a game goes from like 15.3 to like 13.8 or like 14. It's not a big difference. The efficiency ceiling is still there. His price is much lower than it was last year. I still, I still think 22.8% is a number that can still get him into fringe wide receiver one range, and he can be had for really cheap right now. Like again, he's not seen in that. Uh, he's not even seen in a tier behind those guys. He's seen in a tier with like Godwin and McLaurin and all of those. And in my eyes, I'd put him a, in a tier ahead of those guys. I, th- I think that he is with right there neck and neck in terms of 2023 projection with your Devonta Smith, T Higgins, um, DK Metcalf, Chris Olave area. I had him in that same tier in our wide receiver tier video. And when we look at his prices, like they really aren't that expensive. Like they are, I, I love this idea of Debo in a 24 first for Devonta in a 24 second. If you could do Debo in a 24 first for just Devonta Smith or just T Higgins straight up, I would do that. If you add in a second, I think that gets really close, but it's something that I, I think I would do as well. Um, but after that, it's just silly ones like Gibson and Miles Sanders for Debo and Zay Jones. I would do that all day. Like if I could take. <clears throat> If I could take a Miles Sanders, an Isaiah Pacheco, a James Cook, uh, a Rashad White, and add a piece and get to Debo Samuel, I would do that all day. If I could take a Kenny Pickett, a Jordan Love, uh, you know, any of those young quarterbacks in that area and get Debo, I would. Debo for two seconds is absolutely insane. Um, Debo for Deontay Johnson in a bag of chips, I would do that as well. Uh, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Hopkins. If I had DeAndre Hopkins or Keenan Allen or Mike Evans or one of these old wide receivers – and somebody is a fan of Jamal Williams, I would do that all day. If I had one of these, uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, who are these other like really old running backs nobody cares about at this point? I don't know. If I had Dalvin Cook or if I had – I wouldn't put Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon in there. Um, but any of those like old like RB30s type running backs, I think I would do that as well, uh, like Dalvin Cook here. So any of these moves, I think as well, like tearing down from a Devonta Smith to Higgins to Debo Samuel makes a lot of sense. Um, I think also like tier, if you can tear up uh, from George Pickens or something to get the Debo Samuel, uh, I would do that as well. Now, we flip over to the cells of this video. We have Kenneth Walker here. We have Kenneth Walker as a cell. Now, first up, we're going to look at his price. It is absolutely shocking to me. His price really hasn't changed. He's still he's still more expensive than he was uh, when he was drafted for the Seattle Seahawks. He was like a top five rookie pick at the time. He really hasn't budged much since the Zach Charbonnet you know, draft pick where he went in the second round and I'm usually chasing talent long-term, right? We talked about that with Kyler. We talked about that with Kyle Pitts. It's a little bit different with running back though, because like even the talented players don't always get the volume, right? It's, it's very much like wide receivers. You're going to have three guys out there on the field and they can get open and earn their volume. Running back is a little bit tougher. So that's why it's a little bit different for me. And the issue for me with Kenneth Walker is the issue with him has always been pass catching. And then he came in in year one, and he didn't catch passes. And then heading into year two, they have drafted a running back for the purpose of catching passes, all lowering Kenneth Walker's ceiling. And it's like the Dynasty community doesn't really care, right? He's my 505 as my RB14. He is the market's 408 as the RB9. You can see here, he's still a top eight running back in Dynasty on Keep Trade Cut. Um, It's like nobody cares. Now, he had just 19 total catches 
at school in his three years of playing football. Then he had 1.8 reception per game last year, which was 50th among all NFL running backs with at least seven games played. And then again, they just brought in a running back that can catch passes better than him. This is Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet wasn't a great pass catcher through two years and then was an amazing pass catcher down the stretch. They're going to bring him in to catch passes. He's also bigger than Kenneth Walker at six foot, 214 pounds. Now, Kenneth Walker probably doesn't beat out BMI-wise at 5'9", 209. But there's a chance that they want to use Zach Charbonnet on the goal line. So now we have, you know, Zach Charbonnet squeezing you from two angles here, pass catching and goal line. And that's a big problem that I don't think people are really that concerned about because I think on top of the pass catching, the reason for the Zach Charbonnet pick was this. Kenneth Walker, 11% in terms of his carry inside of the five-yard line uh, conversion rate. 11%. Just 11% of his carry inside the five went for a touchdown. Least efficient goal line running back among the top 25 used running backs on the goal line in 2022. And the reason for this was his success rate. So in terms of his percentage of rushing over expectation, right? So the percentage of his rushes that went over what he was expected, right? I'm looking right now on NFL Next Gen Stats at first right now. Like top five, you have your really efficient runners. Like Nick Chubb, 45.8% of his rushes went over what he was expected to get. You have Kenneth Walker, who is tied for second last on this entire website in success rate. He rushed for over what he was expected about a third of the time, whereas the elite running backs are more towards a half. Kenneth Walker, second worst on this list, sandwiched between James Robinson, Michael Carter, and DeAndre Swift, three guys who are not good pure rushers. So the issue with Kenneth Walker, he has these massive, massive plays. He's a good runner, but he's not very consistent in always giving you positive gains, right? He's not always, you know, getting what's blocked for him. I think an older coach like Pete Carroll wants to bring in Zach Charbonnet, who can give you a little bit more consistency between the tackles, including on the goal line as a bigger back, and then also not have to have your Travis Homers and your DJ Dallas's as your third down back. You can now bring in Zach Charbonnet and use him on the goal line too. So I think that that's the whole idea of the Zach Charbonnet pick, and that's what scares me. If they're bringing in a separate guy where you know Kenneth Walker is just going to be this efficient uh, back between the 20s, he almost starts to look like Miles Sanders where he's just like an efficient between-the-tackles runner uh not really used in the red zone, and then not really used uh, as a pass catcher. Now, I'm talking about Miles Sanders early on in Philadelphia, not last year. Um, so it's sort of scary, and nobody really seems to care. And this is a really good sentiment that kind of puts everything up in a nice little tied bow on how I feel about Kenneth Walker. Noah More Parties, Noah Hill says, Nick Chubb has the third best yards per carry average among all running backs in NFL history. He averages 274 attempts per 17 games for his career. He scores ton, 10 touchdowns per season and is maxed out as the RB7 in PPR points per game because he doesn't catch passes. There's still no room for error with Kenneth Walker as the RB8 in Dynasty. He just puts it beautifully. Like, there is no room for error. We have Nick Chubb, the greatest pure rusher of this generation, if you want to go that far. And he's always floating as just like a back-end RB1. There's no real upside there. And that is, you know, if everything goes perfectly with Kenneth Walker in this role where he's not going to be uh, a pass-catching running back, he has to then be a Nick Chubb-level running back to even just flirt with back-end RB1 numbers past this next offseason. So if I could sell him at this price where people are like, they don't really care about Zach Charbonnet, guys, second-round draft capital and like this modern NFL it matters. Like, of course, we have some stinkers. Like, you know, you have your uh, you have your James Cooks of the world, and like AJ Dillon wasn't amazing, but a lot of these second round running backs now are good, right? Like the ones that we've seen now get drafted second round. You, of course, you have your even the ones who aren't. They still, you know, eat into a workload and are annoying to deal with. 
Um, you, of course, have your like Nick Chubbs of the world. You have your Jonathan Taylors, your DeAndre Swift, your Cam Akers, your J.K. Dobbins. Good running backs are getting selected in the second round, whereas like third round's a lot more fraudulent. Like If you look past, since that 2017 draft class with like Kareem Hunt and all of them, finding a running back in the third round outside of like David Montgomery um, has been pretty brutal. I mean, Antonio Gibson can kind of you know be that guy, but outside of that, you're looking at like Trey Sermon, and you're looking at like a lot of ugly, ugly third round picks uh, the last few years, like Keyshawn Vaughn, all of those guys. Zach Charbonnet is a tier above those. So that's what's scary to me. He's a guy that profiles that's going to squeeze the two parts of the game that you want for running back, go on, receiving. So for that reason, if I can sell Kenneth Walker at these prices that he's going for, um, I would do that all day long. Now, I don't know what that first screenshot is doing here, but if I could sell him for these prices, like you just simply have to. Kenneth Walker, you add Jordan Love or Kenny Pickett to Kenneth Walker, go get you an Anthony Richardson. Go do that. Um, if you have Kenneth Walker, this one's more like right right in line with market value. But if I was a contending team that didn't need running back value, I wouldn't mind doing Kenneth Walker for Diggs or Kenneth Walker for Tyree Kill. We showed this earlier, but Kenneth Walker for Kyler Murray all day long. If I could tear down from Kenneth Walker to like a DeAndre Swift or um, even like a Dobbins or a Cam Akers or something like that and get an additional first, do that. If you can take Kenneth Walker, like a wide receiver 50-ish ADP guy like Josh Downs in a second to go get Lamb, you should do that. Kenneth Walker for Olave and the plus on top of Olave just is insanity. Uh, Kenneth Walker, and I like Josh Downs too, but like Kenneth Walker and Josh Downs or Kenneth Walker and uh, you know Marvin Mims, Jalen Hyatt, uh, John Mingo, Jaden Reed, and you can use that to go get Jackson Smith the Jigba, please, please go do that. Now the last sell we're going to talk about here, I think I paused it on accident, but the next sell that we're going to talk about here is going to be Miles Sanders. He is, per ADP, the 712 as the RB20. He is my 1003 as my RB25. So I'm about two and a half rounds lower, only five running back, running back spots lower. We'll get into the, why that is in a second, but I just don't, I'm not going to prop up uh, running backs just because you're like, oh, he's my running back 25. You know, this has kind of been the natural progression of my rankings. This is where he should be. No, I, I am not afraid to have my like wide receiver 18 through 40 ahead of my RB25. I really don't care. Um, but I will say, Miles Sanders, people are really buying in this offseason, um, and I would use that to try and move him off your roster. He is the fifth most traded player on Fantasy Calc, uh, which is pretty crazy. The first most traded running back. So if you have Miles Sanders, um, you should be trying to get him off your roster if you could. Now, from a pure projection standpoint, again, we're going to bring in Mike Clay here, uh, ESPN guy. He does projections over there. His whole job is from a macro standpoint, uh, predicting, you know, team-level rushing, team-level passing, tendencies, coaching changes, uh, all of that. And he comes out with projections, and I spit out the top, I think that this is the top, like, any running back, it's just a bunch of, any running back that has a 125 ADP or lower in the dynasty rankings, and, we'll, like, I showed Kenneth Walker up top just to kind of show the inefficiency, but the whole point is here, it's ordered by dynasty ADP. You don't want to be paying for low-level production, right? So Kenneth Walker, 14.2 points per game is the lowest point per game projection until you get all the way down to pick 62.7 with J.K. Dobbins. Like, it's just not efficient to be holding up that much value in Kenneth Walker um, at this point. Now, when we go down to Miles Sanders, 14.2 points per game. So at least he's like he, he's penciled in for as much as uh, Kenneth Walker this year, and he's much cheaper than that. But what I would say is that 14.2 points per game is pretty crazy considering the fact that for the same price you can get Joe Mixon or you can just go all the way down to Aaron Jones you can go all the way down to Alvin Kamara James Conner like there's no reason to have 83.6 dynasty ADP wrapped up in 14 point per game at running back 
That's what it comes down to. At cost, it is just a very inefficient use of your team's roster slots. You shouldn't have roster value tied up in, like, what is he now? Like, 26-year-old Miles Sanders, 14 points per game. He's just a very clear to me dead zone running back. We're now, like, dead zone running back's kind of, like, convoluted, and we don't really know what it even means anymore because the running backs keep moving back every year. But he is the pure embodiment of just being projected volume where it's like oh my god you know kind of what we did with like it's it's not this extreme but kind of what we did with Mike Davis um after he went from the the Panthers to the Falcons it was like okay he's gonna be the only guy he's going to get all the touches he's gonna get all the carries he's a bell cow um so he's gonna be RB 21 and redraft ADP you're kind of seeing something similar here with Miles Sanders where he had a good rookie year then three years of not being great and then a good season and then he gets propped up by that one year with the Eagles, and then he gets propped up by the projected three-down workhorse volume that some people think that he'll have in, on the Panthers. And it's just a profile that I want to avoid. I think Jacob Sanderson puts it really well. He's really, really good uh, when it comes to running backs. Jacob Sanderson, uh, he does Thinking About Thinking, where he has a sub-stack. I'm subscribed to it. He does amazing work. Uh, we'll probably have him on the channel sometime soon to rip a draft, but he said, we're going to see this type of narrative all year, and I'm not going to be here for it, right? This is the uh, blurb where it's like Panthers plan to get Miles Sanders 50 catches. There's a lot of, like, bell cow type, you know, praise for Miles Sanders. He's going to be a three-down bell cow. He's going to be the receiving guy. Jacob says Sanders was last among RBs last year with a .28 yards per out run in 2022. He's been a plus catcher in one of five years as a starting running back. We just can't project a running back to thrive in a role from opportunity alone. Long down and distant RBs frequently pop up unexpectedly. It could be Sanders. It could be Hubbard. It could be Blackshear. It could be a cast off you've literally never heard of yet. These things often don't stay as clean as we think in the offseason or preseason. He's absolutely right. Like we've seen uh, with the Seahawks, right, where it was like, oh, maybe the hope is Kenneth Walker's there. Rashad Penny's gone. Kenneth Walker will get the receiving work. No. Travis Homer, DJ Dallas are still coming on the field, are still doing the three-down uh, minute drill type stuff. There's a very good chance that that's what happened with the Panthers, right? They either sign somebody off waivers or they just like Chuba Hubbard in that role more. Very rarely do you see a guy who hasn't been used on all three downs since their rookie year just retain that role. What Miles Sanders has been his entire career has been an efficient space back where you're never going to really give him, you know, 300 touches like you don't really want to give him 300 touches the whole idea is that you just let him run between the tackles he'll flirt with a thousand yards he'll be efficient there but he's not some bell cow and this is a guy who's coming off like 1300 total yards last year 11 touchdowns and was just the rb 21 in points per game so if he had over 1300 scrimmage yards over 10 plus touchdowns and in the eagles offense couldn't give you any meaningful production i just don't see how in carolina he gets there like the only way he gets there is if you are truly, truly right that he gets that third down roll. The Panthers suck, and then he somehow just catches like, I don't know, like 60-plus balls, 50-plus balls. Um, probably gets him into a spot where he's making a difference, but it would still be really tough. So I think there's a there's a chance that like free agent gets in the mix. Hubbard, Blackshear ends up being the receiving guy. It's just a lot. I think there's going to be less rushing efficiency on this offense. There's going to be less touchdowns like he had last year. Of course, he had like 11 touchdowns, 11 rushing touchdowns. First time he's ever had over six rushing touchdowns in his entire career. Um, so just not a guy that I'm betting on in 2023, not a guy I'm going to pay up for in dynasty. Um, so these are some prices I would sell him at. He can be sold right now. Uh, I'm seeing him, you can sell him for like a 20, if, I would go, if I had Miles Sanders in a league, I would go to every single person in your league. I don't care if it's projected late, projected early, send out Miles Sanders for 24 first, everybody in your league and see what happens. I don't think that's going to get accepted, but see what happens. Um, but you can tier up where you take Miles Sanders, and like we said before, if you can take a Rashi Rice, a John Mingo, 
a uh, even I, I like Josh Downs and Marvin Mims. But if you can take those guys, add it to Miles Sanders, and get yourself into Saquon Barkley, I'll do that all day. If I could tear down for Miles Sanders, like Antonio Gibson, uh, in like a second, I would do that as well. I don't mind tearing down to as well, you know, Joe Mixon, like we said, Aaron Jones, James Conner, uh, Rashad Penny, Damian Harris, and just netting the difference. Tearing up, if you don't tear up to like Saquon, I like tearing up as well to like, I think Eckler's a decent tear up option. Uh, I think Nick Chubb's a decent tear up option. I think Tony Pollard's a decent tear up options, option. So if you can find a way to turn Miles Sanders either into a, you know, elite running back or a more zero RB-ish type running back with some draft capital on top, I would do that all day long. Now that is going to do it for us today. As always, you can find the complete Dynasty Rankings on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I have the buy and sell recommendations for every single player. Top 300 Dynasty Rankings, they are all done, dialed in, ready to go. But if you can't support there, just leave a like, subscribe, drop a comment, and I will see you guys in the next one. Ice cold, oh, oh, ice around my body like I'm